tens of millions of families with Alzheimer's disease and dementia all over the world, including our family. We are Alls in the Fam. I'm Alan Fair. And I'm Polly Fair Noise. We're siblings, we are parents, but we're also caregivers. This is our podcast. This is our support group. Welcome to our family. Alzheimer's sucks, but this family lives, laughs, and learns as we fight for a cure. Welcome. All right, so really cool episode of Alls in the Fam today. Um, our mother, who has Alzheimer's, is also the mother-in-law of our four spouses. And so today, the four of us siblings welcome our husbands and wife to share their perspective of experiencing Alzheimer's through the lens of being a son or a daughter-in-law. So we're going to go around and have each of us introduce our spouses. Polly, why don't we start with you? Hey, everyone. Well, today we welcome my husband, Steve. We've been married for, is it 32, 34 years? Yeah, okay. Long time. Yeah, anyway, long time. <laughs> who wants to go next? I'll go next. This is my husband, Mike, and we have been married 28 years. Um, so welcome, Mike. Thanks for being on. Glad to be on. And this is my husband, Paul. We've been married almost 27 years. And I have to say he's definitely my better half, especially in the morning. (laughs) And I think I'm correct in in saying this. I kind of want to quiz you, Tina, um, as to how long we've been married. But uh, I think it'll be 18 years this year that we've been married. Sounds right. Wow. Seems we, like yesterday. We still look like we're about 18 years old, though. Don't yes. We? Yeah. <laughs> I think you got married when you were 18. So now you're only 36, right? Right. Yeah. 35, 36. Right. Yeah. Perfect. So um, let's talk a little bit about uh, our mom, uh, your, your mother-in-law, Carmen. And um, I'd love to hear from Paul. Tell us a little bit about uh, Carmen before she got sick. Yeah, sure. Um, first off, uh, the brothers-in-law uh, tend to call Carmen Carmom um, out of affection for her, obviously. And the one thing that I noticed um, about Carmen right away when I first met her was how much um, she really reminded me of my mother. Um, they are a couple months apart in age. So from the same, you know, generation, um, they were, you know, just both very active individuals. Um, I would say stylish people, stylish women, um, vibrant. And, um, you know, I, I just thought that she really um, exemplified what it means to be a very caring uh, mother. For her children and it was obvious how much you know she cared for for all of you guys on the on the call if i could add to that it would be that um she really reveled in the family she was at her happiest when everybody was together uh, she was already you know a happy person to begin with but when everybody was together that's when she beamed she really glowed and radiated 
and just to add, she loved uh, being around the grandkids. Um, she was that that was the highlight, I think, of her of her day, her week, whatever the case may be. Yeah, nice to remember that um, her sense of style and nice to think about um, your mom as well. They, they actually kind of looked alike a, a, a little bit even, which is, which is very, very cool. Um, so uh, Steve, who is uh, Polly's husband, what's your earliest memory of realizing that something was off or not quite right with Carmen, Carmom? <laughs> um, it was a, a number of things. Um, in fact, uh, if you go to alts.org, uh, uh, 10 signs, it gives you the 10 signs. And, and uh, among the things that we noticed were um, the long walks in Alney and um, worrying about her finding her way home. Uh, that was a real concern. But there were uh, times when there could be gaps in the uh, conversation, uh, a little bit of general confusion. Uh, when she was here, she would tend to uh, look out the window and, and be very concerned with the weather and um, oftentimes repeating the same thing and, and uh, putting away the dishes in um, uh, curious locations, uh, but always trying to be helpful. Nothing like finding a, a plate in the cereal cabinet. That's right. Every day is an adventure. Yeah. Or the refrigerator. That's right. <laughs> And, and so Tina, you have an interesting memory of realizing that something wasn't quite right with, with Carmen. Um, we kind of track her descent into Alzheimer's It sort of hits the 11 year trajectory of our oldest son's life. And so there was this incident when he was just an infant with her and tell us that story. Yeah, I think what's uh, interesting for us is that before we had children, we went down to Virginia, what, two times a year. So we weren't in the day to day to really see the changes and really, you know, see what was going on. And uh, when we had Marcos, I remember, I think he was like nine months and it was the first time Alan and I both had to travel for work at the same week. But we were excited that, you know, Carmen was retired and was there and she was amazing with our kids and so patient, uh, way more patient than than I am. And she was said, "I'll take care of uh, I'll take care of Marcos because my mom was working at the time and and my mom can take him on the weekend." I believe it was one day in. We were both out of town and Polly called Alan and said, "No, this she is she cannot take care uh, of Marcos." And uh, what we discovered is that she had. It was in the summer and she had wrapped him up in blankets and layered him in clothes and kept thinking he was cold and he developed a rash and um, then she thought he was sick. So at that point, uh, I think uh, I think Polly, it was you that took him over to my mom's house pretty much, much earlier than anticipated in the trip. But uh, we came to this realization that, wow, you know, we we were looking forward to having Carmen in their life in, in such a way. and that realization that she, she couldn't do it, that she wasn't going to be able to do it. It was, it was hard. Yeah. Which was tough on us because we saw what a wonderful grandmother she was to all of your kids. And with Tina and I being, you know, eight to 12 years younger than all of you, we, we were kind of felt, you know, a, a little cheated and, and disappointed um, in that our kids wouldn't be able to have the same type of relationship with, 
Carmen that uh, your kids were were able to. So, yeah, you were gypped a bit. She was a pretty good babysitter. You, she, she was the type you could drop the kids overnight and feel 100% comfortable. Not so much by the time <laughs> our kids. No. And there was even, a, we, we were asking Tina's mom last night because ultimately uh, Marcos was delivered to Tina's mother's house. And uh, Tina's mom was even remembering our, our mom saying that there were ants in the diaper bag and that was the source of the rash. And, you know, there were no ants in the diaper bag. Maybe some mush bananas and Cheerios, but but no. Yeah. I remember she no was ants. having a hard time putting the bottles together too. Yeah. Um, and being able to put the bottles together and measure. Uh, so that that we kind of saw a little bit earlier, but didn't think much of it. Yeah, we kind of knew an early warning sign was, you know, the those bottles, you know, these very sophisticated bottles that maybe your kids didn't grow up with in the industrial revolution. Um, <laughs> uh, like when they know, first like invented plastic, parts, you know, to, I guess somewhere in one of those parts, it gets rid of the gassiness or something, you know, less colicky uh, babies, but we kind of do. Oh, she isn't going to put that together. Right. But whatever. It should still get in his mouth. Okay. Yeah. To just have the kind of the bag that drops in. Just... Yeah. The old fashioned playtex. Yeah. Yes. Alan, this doesn't go to the um, second question as much as the first, but um have to mention the fact that if not for Carmen, I, I don't know how we would have survived um, having the twins and all that that entailed. And I mean, she was with us essentially 24 seven for how long, honey? Oh, I mean, seven years. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> seven years. And yeah. um, speaking of bottles, I remember when our kids had really bad reflux, the doctor wanted us to put rice cereal in their bottles. And I was so overwhelmed myself trying to figure out what that meant and how I was supposed to, you know, feed my kids cereal through a bottle. And she just, you know, said, go to the store, get the bottles. All we have to do is heat up a needle and then I'm going to put it through the tip and widen it. And she stood there and she must have made, you know, 10 different oh, yeah. bottles with different sizes of openings so that we could test them all and make sure that the kids could get their food that way. Um, I mean, I relied heavily on her with our twins heavily and she was awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I think we saw that transfer of ability, you know, when Mike turned 40, we were going to leave her, um, leave our kids with her. And um, we just couldn't, it ended up being, uh, it ended up being, and that was sort of at the time when Alan was just coming in. And it was one of the reasons we knew to let Alan know and Tina know that, um, that she wasn't really able to do that anymore. You know, we saw that transition because I, we did not, my, my mom would come over and help me with my kids or whatever, but didn't watch them as regularly as your guys. But, you know, there's, there's all different kinds of grandmas. And she was the grandma that was swinging on the swing set with them, um, making their food, putting them to bed, getting, making sure that they had socks and a hat on for sure, <laughs> but never going that far as to the, the additional swaddling that Marco got. <laughs> So the switch gears here. So we're talking about um, the theme of our episode is talking about a, a mother-in-law uh, who is who's sick. But obviously, all of our spouses have their own parents, and wanted to talk a little bit about um, 
how how it's different going through this experience with an in-law rather than your your own parents how how is that role as an in-law different i mean i can take that um i think as the tip of the spear, so to speak, for my mom's, um, you know, not not really caregiving per se, but care management. Um, it's it's um, it's different in that I'm not that for car mom. Um, I'm, uh, you know, a support player for Tracy is really how I look at it, and probably not the best that I could be. I I certainly could be better. Um, You're pretty good. Well, you know, it's, um, you know, with anything we all know on this podcast that, you know, feelings of guilt can come in and, you know, you're never doing enough and, um, you know, and it's just hard with, with my mother's situation, it was, it's been more of a physical decline with the, the strokes, right? So it's kind of the exact opposite where, you know, Carmen has all of the, the physical, um, attributes and everything intact primarily it's it's the, the other way where she's lost you know the mental faculties so it's it's just a different dynamic completely um, but again I think a lot of it has to do with just never never feeling like you know we're, we're doing enough maybe maybe that's well I, th I think you just take the view that you know Carmen's part of the family you help out where you can when you're asked whatever the case may be. So I know we, we tried to have Carmen at our house quite a bit just in the early days, just to, um, you know, let her see the kids a little bit more. We know she didn't like driving down from only to Northern Virginia. So, you know, we would go get her, try and come have her come down for a weekend or, you know, the holidays. So that way she'd be around family, uh, the grandkids. And, you know, she wouldn't be quite so isolated, um, you know, up and up and only. Well, and I want to remember that, you know, there was a lot of going back and forth, but when mom was at home, there was, a, she would get afraid and um, Mike would go over and, you know, look at the house and come back and be like, there's nothing there. She just forgot that she put her, you know, that she unplugged her own cable, not that anything else happened. And it is kind of that, what Paul said, you know, it's not the primary decision-making, but the support, which, you know, Mike was, and all of you guys have been so fantastic about supporting us through the effort, both emotionally, um, as well as with um, practical help when, when you can. So, I mean, it just, you know, I think you kind of just do it and it's good to reflect back on how lucky we are to have supportive spouses in our lives. And we're the opposite. We just had a, um, an incident with my in-laws where, where Mike was asked to be the primary help with my, when my mother-in-law had an issue. Um, and same thing, it was different in that, and Tina, you guys are in the same situation um, where Mike's mom has a spouse living with her that can do a lot, but it really showed us how he's aged as well and we have to step up and do some of the decision-making for them as a couple. So that was sort of different than the situation that we're in with our, with our mom. Yeah, no, I think that's a good, good point, Bonnie. I think with Carmen, you know, it's, it was always hard because we weren't there and it's, you know, the supportive, it's being supportive and, and not, trying not to 
you know, give your own opinions about what should be done. Cause you know, I don't, I, I don't know when you, when Alan wants to come down, it's like you, you leave your family and you go and focus on your mom. So you're, you're always, and that happens with me. You're always split. Like if I have to go support my, my parents, then I leave your family behind to fend for themselves for a week or however long it takes, um, no matter, no matter what's going on. So, um, so that's, you know, you're, you're, you're giving support in different ways so you can make sure that you're, you know, that Alan was focusing on the right, on the right things and trying to, you know, make decisions. But what I, what I find, and I think I found with Alan is that that was probably the one place that he really always spoke to all of you, his sisters, like, you know, nobody knows what you're going through, like a, like a brother or a sister in that situation. And I've probably gotten closer to my sister than, than ever in the last three, four years because she's the only one who really understands what we're going through, what, what's going on, um, how we can make a decision, how it impacts both of us, because it impacts you know, your, both your lives, essentially, whatever decision you're going to make. Yeah, it's, it's deeply personal when it's your own parent, and it's, it's different when you're the in-law. Um, so Tina's father, Spiro, also has dementia, and his uh, journey in that began later than my mom. So I was a few years into my journey with my parent when Tina's journey with her father was just beginning, and there were times when I had all this sage advice and, and wisdom that wasn't, uh, despite my best intentions, wasn't, wasn't coming across that way. And, and sometimes your job is to just kind of sit back and be supportive and, and let that individual personal journey with one's parent play out as it's going to and um, just find a delicate way of, of being uh, supportive that might be different of how um, you might handle it with your, with your own parent. And hopefully we've gotten to a good, a good place with that. So uh, Mike, you had mentioned earlier a little bit about going to get uh, Carmen and uh, it actually got to the point where um, her uh, disease progressed to the point where she moved into your house, to, to yours and Bonnie's house. Uh, tell us a little bit about what, what that experience was like trying to take her in. Yeah. Well, first of all, remember, everything was gradual. So it's not like there was just this one aha moment. It kind of over time, we had more moments that kind of led us to believe that there was really a, an issue. But it, again, at first, it was just trying to get her to our house because, you know, we enjoyed her company. She liked being here. She liked helping uh, cook a little bit. She definitely liked clean. She liked walking. She liked going out with the, the grandkids and just, you know, having having an active life. Um, but then it obviously, you know, we, we found out that, you know, there started to be to be these issues. But, you know, in the beginning, it was very easy. Um, you know, she's very pleasant uh, to hang around, very helpful and enjoyed, was very thankful to be here. So it was, you know, just an all in all a pleasant experience. Then over time, it, it we, you know, you started to notice again, we had talked about the dishes being put away in an odd spot or she had a couple go to recipes that were excellent, but she kind of forgot, well, what, what were the ingredients and, and that type of thing. And then we'd have her for a long weekend and, you know, every morning she packed to go home and we'd say, well, no, it's, you know, X Christmas weekend, whatever the case may be, you're going to be here for a couple of days. But every morning she was, you know, packed and ready to go. So she was losing 
um, you know, losing a little bit touch, a uh, little bit touch with reality. And then again, the, the, the big thing was, you know, she constantly, you know, repeat herself. Um, and it was fine. You know, I liked watching golf while I was cooking on weekends and, you know, she'd say, Oh, wouldn't you like to be there? And, you know, of course you would, it's, you know, icy here and it's, you know, they're in California, it's gorgeous. So, um, but you know, she, you know, several times during the several, several hundred, times, several hundred. but you know, you just kind of shrugged your shoulders and it was, you know, kind of funny. And you just said, yeah, I'd love to be there. Um, um, but again, it was, uh, pleasant while she was here. Uh, but then it, it morphed into where she really needed 24 seven, um, it, you know, coverage, you know, she liked to walk in our neighborhood and that type of thing, but it was, she, she was almost like, um, I don't want to say a toddler, but she was on you the whole time. And you couldn't say, well, why don't you sit down and watch this for a little bit while we're going to run an errand? You know, she'd forget what, what she was, she was doing. So again, it, be, it, it came to be a 24, um, you know, hour responsibility, which, you know, we tried to do as best we can, but, you know, obviously with kids jobs and, and whatnot, that, that just, you know, became not a you know feasible option long-term. Yeah, we would rely on the dog to take her on a short walk because he likes, he knows how to come back to the house. So it, that, you know, it was really that. Dog. Yeah, my, my dog who walks slow like her now. So it's still okay. Yeah, perfect. So maybe there's a good business and dogs that can be trained for Alzheimer's patients that ensure that they get home. Yeah, I'm sure that there, I, I'm sure because that definitely worked for her. She would go out one way or another and the dog would eventually pull her back home. And she knows, she still knows when she's in front of the house that it's the house. We think it's we been think. a while. <laughs> it's been, it has been a little while, but you know, in, and again, even going to the last time she spent the night here, um, which was pre-COVID, so it's been over a year, um, she woke up and in the middle of the night and had a night terror. She had no idea. She heard us talking outside the door because she'd gone to bed before us and was scared out of her mind, thinking that there was a stranger in her home outside of her door and was screaming and saying she wanted to call the police. She was going to call the police and she had a gun, um, which of course wasn't true, but that's what she was. She was, I've, she was in a full terror and um you know it breaks your heart with that when something like that happens and finally i was able to get through the terror to make her understand and open the door and she was still so confused so to go from her having you know we still call it grandma's room in our house where she was staying um and watch that progression through her not understanding at all where she was when she woke up is really a stark contrast and technically, we are, we are in Carmen's room here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yellow was her favorite color, so uh, we painted the room yellow. Yeah, bright yellow mm -hmm. with with summer scenes, birds, and and broadcasting live from yeah. <laughs> from Grandma's room, <laughs> which yeah. we had to move from downstairs to upstairs because she was afraid. To, she wanted to be close to us. I think about her being scared in in her house, the house that we grew up in because when she first started exhibiting symptoms, she'd talk about the the noises in the house. And she was she still had enough of her marbles to know that it was just house sounds, but she was hearing new things or it's like there was a presence or something else 
in the house. And it reminded me of being a kid growing up in that house too. And I, I went through a phase when I was maybe 11 or so where I was suffering from anxiety and didn't know it was anxiety at the time. But I remember the sound of the furnace kicking in in the middle of the night and being scared. And at least I had mom, I could go and, you know, she could help make me feel better. So to be alone in that house and, and be, be scared is just, is just heartbreaking. And certainly one of my earliest memories of that. Well, um, how do we, how do we think Carmen's Alzheimer's has changed our, our family? How do you think we're different as a result of going through this experience? Well, I think Tina, yeah, Tina, uh, when she talked about it, at least for us, well, we're supposed to be talking to the spouses, but, um, Tina said that we're all closer. Well, we're certainly, we've always been a close family. So this has brought us closer, but I shouldn't, it's really more for you guys to talk about. I would say that um, from the outside looking in, so to speak, you know, you have always been a close family, but you're really, really blessed to have each other. The dynamic between each of you and among us uh, is, I think, a little unique, you know, in in the context of times. Um, If there was just one of you to contend with this, it would be crippling. But the fact that you've got each of you, many hands make light the burden, um, contending with her being, you know, in Alney, you know, was a big deal. And we were the closest. We were a half away, but half hour away, but still to be um, reaching, you know, to, to be concerned, as Alan said, about her being afraid. And now, you know, she's closest here, but there's just ongoing friction with um, the degree of um what the caregivers believe is right and what what the family might see as an opportunity to be be a little more care caregiving so uh, misinterpretations or or finding common ground you know with uh uh the facility she's in now is a is a uh, uh, ongoing uh battle yeah i i think that's i think that's right and and well said were you going to say something polly Well, I was just going to say, I think the way it's changed our family the most is we were used to mom taking care of us when Steve and I moved into our house so many years ago. Mom was still very well and healthy. We didn't have kids yet. And she, um, I remember she came and helped us unload the moving truck, set everything up. She had so much energy, did all that. And remember, um, Steve's brothers came by and by the time they arrived, I mean, mom had done so much and they were amazed by her. She was always taking care of us, everyone, even when we were adults. And it just changed to us focusing really on taking care of her. Um, And she really loved each of our spouses um, and uh, just welcomed them and was kind and had a special relationship with each of the spouses. And um, I'm glad each of our spouses got to see that, but now it, it's changed. That's how it's changed our family. Yeah, no, you're right. She was so amazingly supportive and coming from a Greek family and a Greek mother who has opinions about everything and everybody. The fact that she just welcomed me with no questions asked was always supportive, was always so nice. You know, it amazed me how lucky I was to have, um, you know, such, such an amazing, uh, mother-in-law in my, in my life. And, um, you know, and I think for us just being younger and having our kids much older, 
uh, which I probably would rethink at this point if I had to go back and do it again. You know, I really wish that they had the opportunity to um, to meet her and know her, you know, in, in the days where she was vibrant and she, you know, I remember her at the beginning sitting on the floor with them for hours and playing with them, you know, and um, and it's hard for them to remember those days. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's that's definitely something I think about. Yeah, I, I, I want to just say that, you know, the fair clan, the fair siblings have um, really rallied around this and um, the way that you guys, you know, for lack of a better phrase, just kind of pass the baton back and forth and keep things just moving is amazing. Um, Tina, you just brought up a really interesting point I was thinking of um, with my mom, um, you know, you guys all met her pre-stroke which I'm, I feel so blessed that's the case, but um, you know, my kids never did. So they always know, you know, Nana as someone who's been in a wheelchair or in a bed or just, you know, they don't, they never really knew the vibrant person she was. And I'm glad that, that all of our kids and, and, you know, maybe not so much, um, you know, with Ava, but they, they did know grandma, right? I mean, as that, as that person so that we should all feel blessed for that. I mean, that's important. Yeah. And I think that us siblings all feel very blessed to have supportive spouses through this. Um, when you think about the sacrifices that all of you have had to make uh, for us in, in this journey, um, we, we couldn't have done this without each other and couldn't have done this without strong support from our, our husbands and, and wife, uh, throughout all of this. It's such an overwhelming challenge for society though. So many 50 million people, 5 million in the United States. I mean, uh, it's a brutal thing for everybody to contend with. And some would say there, but for the grace of God, go I. Very true. Well, we are alls in the fam and sure are great to have a strong, supportive, uh, extended family. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to Alls in the Fam. In the fight against Alzheimer's and dementia, we are all family. Find us at Alls in the Fam on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and on our website, allsinthefampodcast.com. We appreciate you clicking that subscribe button on Apple, Google, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast catcher may be. Alzheimer's sucks, but we are in it together. We are alls in the family. Talk soon.